Good day from Wall Street. This is Jack Marks for Wall Street Reporter, and today I am speaking with Randall Crowder. He is the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Funware Inc. Stock symbol on NASDAQ is P-H-U-N. Randall, uh, welcome. Hey, Jack. I appreciate you having me. This is a real treat for us. Thank you. So, Randall, uh, can you kind of tell our audience what is what is it that your company does? Man, you know, it's, it's a loaded question because you know we do a lot, and I think that the best way to understand really what we do is to kind of take a quick history lesson. So, you know, we Funware was founded by Alan Atowski uh, and two other you know founders about ten years ago. Uh, and ironically, I was there, you know, in the, in the founding of it and helped out with the first round to get us started. And the kind of the thesis was simple. You had a lot of brands who had just figured out kind of <laughs> the web. And then all of a sudden, this newfangled mobile device came out and everyone started scrambling, realizing that, you know, this was probably going to be the most valuable real estate on the planet for a brand, because guess what? It's going to be attached to a human being. And, you know, I think that was somewhat prophetic. Now we really understand just how attached it is to a human being, um, maybe in a negative manner sometimes. But what we really started working to do in the very beginning was create mobile ecosystems for large brands. So we built the first NASCAR app, the first NFL app, uh, we still build and maintain most of Fox's uh, mobile apps. So don't think small, you know, two guys in a garage building, you know, a lighter app, but think large, scalable enterprise apps that, you know, need to be able to, you know, be reliable and, and deliver customers the experience that they kind of have grown to expect. And so in doing that, we had to really push ourselves as kind of a leader in, you know, mobile software, we started building, you know, what we call in the industry software development kits, um, APIs, scripts, utilities, this is all kind of software lingo for how do you kind of rinse and repeat and do this model quickly so that you can, you know, really kind of respond to customer demands and grow these mobile ecosystems fast. So we started actually licensing that software to other people, which is great because now we start looking more like the software as a service business. So again, think anybody in the world who's trying to succeed in building a mobile ecosystem, we have a fully integrated cloud platform for mobile that will allow them to do that better, more efficiently, and do it in a reliable manner. And so licensing that software to a bunch of different publishers on a bunch of different phones creates a lot of scale. Uh, we also have our own kind of advertising business. Um, we have a lot of our own data business. And so fast forward to today, we see about a billion active devices every month touch our platform. Either they've licensed our software, they have our apps on their phone, you know, they're involved in, in, in what we're doing in, in advertising and, and reach. And so today, we're really taking all of that information that we know about audiences, all that information and history that we know about building mobile experiences, and we're going to create kind of a new paradigm in how brands engage consumers. And we can talk about that in a second. I don't want to go too far down the weeds. Um, but, you know, again, started out as a mobile app company, transitioned into a software as a service business, being a kind of a leader in, you know, a cloud platform for mobile. Um, by doing that well, we've kind of naturally fallen into being uh, somewhat of a data business as well. Now we want to take all of that experience, all of that information, and we want to, quite frankly, you know, punch Facebook in the face. 
and punch Google in the face. And we're going to actually start giving brands an alternative to how do you engage consumers in a more authentic manner. Okay. So you mentioned something interesting. So you're essentially, you're touching roughly a billion mobile devices worldwide. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that's important because here's the thing. When you're a brand and you're trying to reach a consumer, you know, what do you do today? You know, you throw money at Facebook, you throw money at Google, you know, maybe you throw a billboard up actually in the real world. You're just trying to reach consumers, but that's what we call kind of in the industry, a black box approach. There's no way to audit the data. There's no way to audit those audiences. There's no way to verify the money that you're spending. So there's an old quote that I love by John Waynemaker. He's often called the father of modern advertising. He says, you know, half of my money is wasted <laughs> in advertising. I just don't know which half. Which half right? And that's the problem that brands will face. $19 billion a year in ad fraud alone. That's $51 million a day. It's ridiculous how much money is wasted on these platforms like Facebook and Google because these brands don't know what they're getting. So what we did very, you know, kind of prophetically in the very beginning, we view the customer as dynamic. You know, the customer is going to use different apps. They're going to be in different locations. Their preferences are going to change over time. So if you hear me ever refer to something called the knowledge graph, we have a graph database that manages all of our data. So those billion active devices are constantly sending data into a three-dimensional database that we use to curate all that data. And so we generate about five terabytes of data every single day. We've generated over a petabyte of data, you know, since we've been in existence. And all of that data is dynamic. And we look at a user across all the apps they use, all the locations that they could be in, you know, whether they're working with a brand's, you know, loyalty program or whether it's voter registration records, you know, think of all that data as clustering. And that's what that knowledge graph is. It's basically leveraging machine learning to take a horizontal slice of everything that represents a user and then enable brands to kind of build audiences in a more verifiable and authentic way so that you know you're getting the human that you want and you know you're getting them at the right time in the right place and you're able to give them the right message and you can verify that entire kind of workflow. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I'm trying to understand it. But <laughs> well, you're, 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 you're saying that you have access right now to uh, – you're getting the data every day from a billion devices. Correct. Coming and and one of the major goals in the very beginning of the company was to create a funware ID – for every human being on the planet that touched a mobile device that touched a network. So far, we've created about 2.5 billion funware IDs, so we're well on our way. And this is, and how are you getting this? This is from uh, the the apps that that you've developed, and also from the light, the the um, uh, the the, 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 the software that you've licensed to developers. Correct. The cloud. Correct. Okay. okay. Very interesting. So you're you're you're. You're almost like a, a Facebook in terms of the data. You know, it's, it's, absolutely. You know, in, in, you know, in terms of data and in terms of scale, but, you know, it's kind of like Google search. You know, you don't really care that Google returns 60,000 pages of search results. You really want your answer to be in the first page and probably in the top three. You know, data is similar and, and reach is similar when you're building audiences. Brands don't care that you can give somebody – you know, a million impressions and, you know, half of them are fraudulent, you know, you know, the other half, you know, who knows who's even getting them, if it's an abandoned account or a fake account or a spider or a bot, what we're able to do is say, okay, this is a human being 
we can see them almost in time and space, almost like you know augmented reality, if you will. We know where they are. We know what apps they're using. We know when they're on their phone. We know usually where they live. And so it does begin to sound a little bit like the NSA, but you can use it in a way, you know, kind of use it for good instead of evil. And what we want to do is empower consumers to actually take control of the data that we've collected on them. So think about flipping the entire model on its head. So brands right now go to Facebook and they, you know, Facebook says, well, pay us some money and we'll build your audience for you. And then we promise we're going to give your information to people on our platform. And that's pretty much it. You know, the brands don't really know what they're getting. What we want to do is decentralize that data. You don't need a central authority in the middle messing everything up. And this is a good segue. I know we want to talk a little bit about blockchain, but if you can take all of that data, all those funware IDs that we've collected over the last 10 years, and we can give them to a user to be controlled by them, and you can have a brand be able to engage with the source of the data, the actual consumer without a third-party intermediary, you can change the world, literally. You no longer need to go through Facebook or Google where you know they're really doing data collection through exploitation and surveillance. We want to do data collection through collaboration and compensation. You know, every time you swipe something, every time you scroll through something, every time you like something, every time you do anything, someone's getting paid. Actually, a lot of people are getting paid. You know who's not getting paid? The consumer who's taking the activity that is the only person the brand actually cares about. So if you could build a platform, if you had a company who had 10 years of mobile experience, had a bunch of data, and had the ability and the wherewithal to build a platform that allowed brands to engage directly with consumers, you could literally disintermediate Facebook and Google. And oh, by the way, if you look at the news recently, you know, Facebook's preparing brands for the moment when they actually launch a feature because this is what's happening with regulation where users are able to basically erase all of their data. And so it's going to really throw a wrench in all the targeting that's being done. And you know, they're really telling brands, sorry, but this is what's happening. When you think of things like privacy, GDPR, you know, thinking of data as an inalienable right, you're going to have to introduce a new solution to brands because they're not going to be able to keep doing what they've been doing. And so we want to be that new solution that puts users, you know, consumers in control and allows brands to interact directly with them. So can you, can you talk about some, you know, some actual applications? Uh, Absolutely. Use, yeah. So, and, and, this, and this is a pivot. So it's not just about data, right? So what we really want to do, and this is the simplest way, you know, the easiest way I usually tell people is if you've ever seen Minority Report, you know, the moment where, you know, Tom Cruise walks into kind of the gap of the future and it has kind of a personalized advertising moment where, you know, it knows that he's there, knows his shopping history and offers up, you know, opportunities and deals that would be relevant to him. And so there is an entire component of this that is what I just described about data and being able to find the right people, but it doesn't stop there. What we want to be able to do is actually engage the right person. So can you take all of that information that is available in the virtual world? It knows everything about you. It knows everything about everything around you. And can you serve that up to inform real world interactions? So literally we're talking Hollywood stuff here. The stuff we've been seeing in movies forever, where you just kind of interact seamlessly with technology in the real world, that's what we want to do. So I'll give you a, a prime example. I've used this before, so it's not you know <laughs> material, non-public. So in a 
there's a large cruise line who described to us profitable behavior. And, and if you don't know, any brand has what's called profitable behavior. They have things that they want their customers to do that will drive revenue, drive profitability, you know, do something that the company wants them to do. Makes sense, right? Sure. So this cruise line says, you know what, we, what really works for us? We can sell excursions better when we can get collateral into the hands of our passengers in the moments leading up to them boarding the ship. And you hear it and you think, God, geez, that makes sense. You know, you're excited about getting on the ship. Your, your, your kids pulling on your arm going, Hey, can we go ride the horses in the ocean? Or can we do that zip line tour in the jungle or whatever? And what they really do right now is indicative of what brands do all over the world. It's very low tech. They put, guess what? Brochures out or signage, or maybe the really forward thinking ones hire an intern to run around the parking lot, trying to convince people to you know, buy something. We're like, that's so dated. Let us introduce you to 21st century. So with our technology, our, you know, think of it like location-based marketing. We can literally, we know when you're arriving on site. We know when you're parked. When you're walking up, we can assess dwell time. We can assess location. We even know who you are and what you might be interested in. We can send a push notification to your phone. We can say, hey, you know, would you watch this video on all the amazing excursions that are going to be available to you while you're waiting to board the ship on your trip? And so now you hit play. We know that video converts it, you know, more than 80% higher. And now you're watching people, you know, riding horses in the ocean, you know, zip lining in the jungle. And, you know, we can prompt them afterwards to say, you know, buy now for an additional 10% off or buy one, get one free excursions. You know, you try to convert them in that moment. Similarly, you can imagine a world in which you do that in a retail setting. You know, Jack, you're walking through, you know, a large big box retailer. I know your, you know, kind of point of sale history. I know your interests. You've actually told me some things about you, about what you what you like, what you don't like. And if you're like me, you're motoring past most products. But companies spend millions of dollars on packaging, and they're trying to get those products to jump off the shelf and into your cart. Well, that's, that's again, low tech. I can introduce infomercial-like capability at point of decision so that we can get you making decisions point of sale. So you're walking past the product, you get a push notification, just like a text message from your wife. It says, hey, you know, this product would be great for you based on these factors. You know, we watch this quick video, 10-second video on why we think it would be perfect for you. And if you buy now, we give you 10% off. You know, there's a million examples like that where you can introduce kind of this idea of informed real-world interactions that we currently don't do. If you think about it, when do you use technology to make your life better? You, hey, Siri, you know, how's the weather? You know, we really live dumb experiences for the most part, and we're quickly becoming a mobile-first world. We'll soon be a mobile-only world. And brands that figure out how to capture and harness the latent power in a mobile device to delight customers, those are the brands that are going to win. So let me and ask that's you, what we do. Oh, so Randall, so let me go, going back to the, the two examples you mentioned. So in theory, uh, you know, I'm in the, uh, you know, in the supermarket, I'm walking past the, uh, you know, the laundry detergents and uh, I'm, I'm stopping there. And so I have the mobile device, you know, in my pocket. So all of a sudden, you know, I get a, uh, a vibration and you know, I take it out of my pocket and all of a sudden I see uh there's a special offer on Tide. Is that, is that where, where, yep. where you're going? That, 
that, that, that is one, that is one absolute use case. It could be product discovery. It could be product awareness about things you're already doing. It could be something tied to something around you that isn't even tied to that actual store. And if it's around lunchtime, you say, Hey, you know, I see somebody, you know, at, at a big box retailer, but you know, you want to, you want to, you, wanna, you know, grab a bite to eat because it's 11 o'clock and we know you're probably going to eat. So it's all about getting the right message, whatever the brand thinks that message is to the right consumer at the right time in the right place. And we can do that for anything. And sometimes, you know, and we can talk about why we're layering in a digital asset around blockchain to do this almost autonomously. But even just as a mobile engagement solution, this is wildly valuable to brands who are looking for ways to differentiate themselves and looking for ways to kind of create more loyalty with their consumers. But how do you get the... um... I guess the permission. Or how do you get into into the device? I mean, is it uh, is it an app Great that they have question. to download? What's how does this work? It's a oh, man, privacy issue. That's a very intuitive question. It's a very good question. So two things. One, we're not in the business. You know, I saw before. You know, I spent about ten years as a venture capitalist, and I'm a major investor in Funwar as well. And one of the things I used to tell entrepreneurs all the time is you have to be very careful with changing customer behavior. And so when I referenced earlier these software development kits, what that means is we can actually insert our features and our capabilities into existing mobile ecosystems. So a lot of these brands, they already have an app. They're already, you know, everybody, you know, hopefully we even built it for them. But, you know, people understand that mobile apps are a thing. You know, 10 years ago, less than 5% of internet content was consumed on mobile. Fast forward to today, more than 80% of internet content is consumed on mobile. And the lion's share of that is native apps. It's not, you know, responsive web. It's not people going to Chrome or Safari on their phone. Native apps is where it's at. And that's what we do in Excel app. And so what brands can do is take their existing application. We don't have to touch that at all. Their engineers can rip our code off of GitHub, put it directly into their mobile app and light up all of these features. That's what we talk about licensing software, which is great for us. I mean, this is, then, then you start functioning more like a Salesforce and, and you're really just deploying your software to other folks. And you're, you know, we've kind of tried to migrate out of that custom app development space. But to your question earlier, you know, do you do build them an app? We can, we're probably some of the best in the business at doing that. Obviously that's why Fox outsources um, most, uh, you know, pretty much all of their mobile ecosystem to us. We are very good at it. But, you know, that, that's, that's hard work, and it's lower margin business. Um, and so we love licensing our software to other publishers, to other brands who already have uh, a mobile experience. They just want to make a mobile experience better. So I kind of say, you know, you know, we don't make apps. We make apps smarter. So how does the, you know, how does the business model work? How do you, you, know, how do you monetize all of this? Great, great question. You know, I know in this day and age, you know, we have people announcing things like we'll never be profitable like Uber. Um, but, you know, to us, profitability is still important. So I don't, I don't understand how, uh, you know, telling your investors that you may never be profitable is, is, you know, a smart decision or a smart decision as a business. But for us, it's very important. And, and we're, we're, you know, marching towards profitability, you know, hopefully this year. You know, I think we can look, you can look at kind of the financial indicators. Um, over the last you know couple of years, and, and and that's what we're tracking towards, and, and that's what we want to do. We want to build 
a sustainable value um, that, that that builds a company that will stand the test of time and, and hopefully can be another great, you know, tech success story. But the primary business, you know, so we kind of break it down into two components, you know, platform subscriptions and kind of application um, and, and transactions. And so, you know, we the platform subscriptions, think of that as we can build, you know, at the very top, you know, we can build you a custom app experience. You know, that's what we did for Fox. That's what we do for, say, large you know, healthcare systems, people that really understand digital transformation and they can't afford to get it wrong. And so we'll take, you know, those are higher ticket items. They're, 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 they're large deals, um, but we can do that soup to nuts. There's other folks who want to really get going and don't really want to start from scratch. We have these things called vertical solutions where we've already built it before. They, 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 they're almost, think of them like a shell and we can just, you know, throw in some artwork throw in some design. It still looks and feels like a really, you know, immersive mobile experience. But, you know, just like you can build a website online through you know, GoDaddy or something else, we have ways in which we can build your mobile application a lot faster uh, and deploy it a lot faster, you know, less customizable. We kind of call it semi-custom. And it, all, it has all of our SDKs, all of our feature sets, but you license those. And so you kind of have custom at the top, semi-custom in the middle, and then you have straight licensing, you know, as kind of the third option, which is our favorite option. You know, we work with channel partners. Uh, we work with, you know, re- you know, partner referrals. But people who say, you know, we really want to enable location-based marketing, you know, go to Funware. You know, they're the, the best game in town. We really want to enable indoor wayfinding. Um, so we're one of the, a lot of people don't realize this, we're one of the probably top companies in the world for if you want to introduce GPS-like functionality indoors, you come to us if you want to get it right. That's why if you uh, Google us, we had a couple of patents come out recently, but our engineers are world-class at locating a phone indoors and delivering that kind of blue dot experience that you would expect outdoors, indoors. And so once you can locate a phone indoors, there's all sorts of really exciting use cases that you can kind of light on or turn on. We had, uh, you know, not to berate the cruise line example, but we had another, you know, pilot that they said could not be done. Okay, they said they tried it before. They'll give us a shot, but they, you know, were pretty certain that it could not be done. But could you enable an Uber Eats-like functionality on a cruise ship? Now it seems kind of like general and simple, but it's actually wildly complex because now you're not dealing with lat long. You're dealing with blue dot in three dimensions. You have the ocean swell <laughs> going up and down. So what level are you on? Are you on the Lido deck or are you below that? Um, you have the boat rocking left and right. And so imagine accelerometer, and now you're trying to attach blue dot functionality to that. We did it, and, and they just shocked them. Um, but we have one of, the, one of the co-founders that's still with the company, a gentleman named uh, Luan Dang. He's out in California. Um, him and Alan have worked together for decades. Uh, their previous company that was a, a nine-figure exit, uh, with both of them. So, you know, you always love a company where you have such deep experience with the founders and entrepreneurs, you know, you think about team and, you know, they're just world-class, but Luan is one of those people when you talk to them, it's just scary smart. And you're like, I, I don't know whether I'm glad you're on my side kind of smart. Um, but he is cracked the code on locating a mobile device, you know, indoors or on a ship. And so anywhere in time and space, and that's where a lot of the brands are now coming to us, whether it's hospitality, uh, stadiums. So you think of it like a 
funware enabled fan experience at a stadium, funware enabled shopper experience in a store, a funware enabled guest experience at a hotel and casino. There's so many unique things we can do now. Uh, we just did a pilot, you know, with thinking about guests kind of um, call it occupancy. So let's say you have a really fancy restaurant in your hotel and you want people to, you know, enjoy it, but not stay too long. You know, this is the old McDonald's problem. Well, you don't want to just kick them out. You don't want to make the seats uncomfortable or the colors uncomfortable like McDonald's did to keep them moving. And so what we actually do is we assess the all time while they're seated and eating. And then after a certain period of time, let's say call it 60 minutes, we can start notifying them of other opportunities in the hotel, you know, come down to the bar in the lobby and we'll give you 20% off drinks. Come to this restaurant for a dessert or a nightcap. And so you start to create customer experiences tied to real world interactions that are being fed by virtual information. Are you doing uh, anything with uh, augmented reality? Oh man, now you're talking. So, you know, yes. Um, and but it's early, right? So what we want to do first is get people understanding um, that, that one, their data is their right, and that two, that they should control it, and that brands should be engaging with consumers first. So that's kind of step one. I think AR, VR um, is going to change everything, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good, you know, three to five years out at a minimum. So what we do, you know, we hope to you know, showcase this next year. Um, but we are working on a few examples of that where you start to kind of you know, almost enable like a Pokemon Go, but for brands and deals and discovery or brand discovery and deals and opportunities. And so I think there's a there's an interesting component of that that is very appealing, especially to brick and mortar stores who are trying to stay relevant. You know, why still go to the mall? Why still go you know, why, you know, why not just order food straight to your office? Why still go to restaurants and bars? So I think AR and VR will be a critical component to, you know, making brick and mortar relevant again so that people do want to be, you know, outside and, and kind of have that. I always used to say it's the, it's the Christmas morning effect where you never know what you're going to find or what you're going to see or what you're going to get, but you got to be there to discover it. And it's going to tie into that, to that mobile device. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so, how does the uh, the cloud fit into uh, to to the to your picture here? It's I mean it's everything. So everything that we do, you know, when we say you know if you look at any kind of uh, you know history on fun where it's a fully integrated cloud platform for mobile. So you know much like you, know, you have the you know, Salesforce and Sales Cloud, or you have kind of AWS. You know everything that we do is kind of deployed and managed you know via the cloud. And, you know, that's, that, that's what it has to be. You know, this stuff, there's a lot of people who really confuse brands and confuse the market, sadly. You know, they think you can just build an app, you know, turn it over, put it on the app store and, and just be done with it. Um, and it takes constant management. You know, our, our, we don't do deals without kind of, you know, service and maintenance, you know, support plans because we just know that it's our reputation on the line and we need to be able to deliver updates you know, additional feature sets, you know, all via the cloud, because that's the speed and pace at which, you know, consumers expect, you know, these kind of updates and, and refinements and what brands need to do in order to kind of maintain, you know, that customer loyalty. You can't, you know, we live stream the Sochi Olympics, 
we set, you know, I think concurrent streaming records for the World Cup this year for Fox every match. And so, you know, you, even though Google and YouTube uh, both crashed, so I like to throw them under the bus, um, we don't crash when it matters and it's high scale. We're able to do it well. And that's because we've really excelled at understanding how to leverage the cloud and deploy things at scale to a large audience. Now, if I don't know if you meant to say, you know, how are you going to leverage the cloud or if you might have, you know, if we we're going to head towards how you're going to leverage a blockchain, but we can definitely talk about that as well. Right. Yes. That's where I'm going with is, is actually uh, both in terms of, you know, you're, you're getting all this data coming into your cloud and then you also have a, a blockchain initiative now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and you know what? I, I want to say this for everybody because this is important, especially for retail investors. So we've got to move away from the term crypto you know, I think there's a there's a branding problem going on right now, and, and unfortunately, a lot of bad actors kind of confused the market, and it was really unfortunate because the the underlying technology is special and it's very important. Not because you know it's like TCP/IP. You know, nobody and even when you look, I'm talking to you on my phone right now. I'm not going to say my cell phone. You know, we stopped saying cell phones a long time ago. So I think eventually, you know, blockchain, even crypto it will just be, you know, a digital asset. You know, a lot of people are already going to that kind of terminology today. But what blockchain does for us is it allows us to do something that traditional, you know, fiat and traditional infrastructure couldn't handle. So everything I talked about before about this kind of mobile engagement, you know, how we can help brands better engage their consumers with our software deployed through the cloud on a mobile device. Now we want to incentivize. We want to reward. So when I say, you know, first and foremost, we can have a great company just doing what we're currently doing. You know, Funware is not a cryptocurrency company. We're not a blockchain company. We're a fully integrated cloud platform for mobile. And one of our, you know, kind of infrastructure solutions happens to leverage blockchain. And it's the right technology at the right time. So let's take data, for instance, first. I want to be able to reward people for their data. I want to be able to reward people for interacting with the brands they love or the brands they didn't even know they loved. I want to reward people for engaging in marketing campaigns. Right now, so many companies are getting paid for all of that. Facebook and Google are the big ones. Why shouldn't consumers get a piece of that action? You You see, the California governor actually just came out and said this exact same thing, that there should be some sort of compensation going to a consumer every time their data is used. And so that's going to take a little bit of education of the market, but we want to be the leader in that. You can't do it with traditional fiat, though. You know, if you think about like paying people out with nickels and pennies and you know, quarters, you know, with millions of transactions all over the world, you know, the wire fees would kill you. It's not economically feasible. However, with blockchain, you can. You can do it almost autonomously. You can do it at scale, and you can have an actual record of everything that happened. So imagine that. Now brands have total transparency, and consumers are getting paid for something that's theirs to begin with. And then they have control over what data is shared and how much they make off of that data. Like, how cool would that be? So that's when we, you know, when we launched FunCoin, that's kind of, you know, we launched it compliantly. You know, I think we were the first company to go public with actually a cryptocurrency in play. 
which was a very, you know, it's actually a great experience. You know, the SEC is not anti-blockchain, anti-cryptocurrency, but they are wrestling with how to handle it, how to account for, you know, revenue even. You know, so we've been having an open dialogue with the SEC on, you know, what this would look like in a, you know, kind of consumer, you know, mainstream adoption world. And, you know, it's, 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 it's really what you have to do to kind of, you know, push the ball forward. And so, First and foremost, we want to use FunCoin, use a blockchain, you know, you know, technology, a digital asset to reward consumers. We also can use blockchain to verify consumers. So again, think about the KYC and AML that goes into having a wallet that can take custody of a cryptocurrency. Now you verify that that person. You know they're not fraudulent. You know they're an actual human being. You have the record of who they are. That's what brands want. They want transparency. They want accountability. And everybody wants to reduce fraud in the system. So stop there. That's just the data side of it. But now, you know, that same example I used with the cruise line. Wait, so what's the easy? Or Randall, I'm sorry. So the the fun coin, what, what is the fun coin? Yeah, so so Funcoin is so think of just like Bitcoin, it's a cryptocurrency, but in our case we're compliant, so it's a security token, and you want to be able to give that to a consumer in return for something else. So it's like a so rewards, in return for their uh, rewards exactly. Okay. okay, you got it. It's in return for their data, you know, look, I'm going to use you. So someone is getting paid for a consumer's data. You know, currently we get paid for consumer's data. And we're, we're, we have a simple hypothesis. If anyone gets paid for your data, you should too, full stop. That's the world we need to live in, where it's your data, you own it, you control it, and if anybody gets paid for it, you get cut in on that deal, period. And that's not happening right now because the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, you know, they're these data oligarchs, these kind of third-party intermediaries, and almost elegant nature of blockchain is that's exactly what the technology is here to fix. Just like banks kind of get in the way, these data repositories that act as intermediaries, they get in the way. And brands aren't getting what they pay for. And you have to introduce a better way. And that's what we're doing. So when when we think about this, it's a decentralized data exchange where consumers control their own data and brands can pay consumers directly rather than paying Facebook or Google. It's a huge idea. And this is where I feel so sad for so many retail investors because everybody, I mean, I don't know if you saw the numbers, but you look at like the early investors of Uber, like $5,000 turned into like 25 million or something. But you know, you, you have this catch 22 for retail investors where everybody wants to invest in the next big idea. And then when they're faced with the next big idea, some audacious entrepreneur says, I'm going to go after that incumbent. What do they do? They scoff and they say, oh, you'll never win. You can never, you know, dethrone them. You can never, you know, compete at their level. And then someone does and you go, oh, I wish I would have invested when I first heard, or I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done that. Well, I'm here to tell you, we are going to absolutely compete in this space in a big way. And we're going to introduce something that in hindsight, people will look at it and go, oh, it was so, it was right there. It was so obvious. It makes so much sense. And that's how innovation always is. In hindsight, it always seems obvious. But, you know, right now people have a chance to get involved at kind of the ground level. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think we were going to be able to build a massive company that adds massive value and actually, you know, move the world forward into a better place. 
where users are in more control. You know, every time you have, you know, banks or, you know, data oligarchs or anyone else in the middle, inevitably they mess things up. You know, all your data housed at Experian is very vulnerable and it gets hacked and everybody goes, oh man, you know, what do we do? We gotta be a different way. The best way is to keep data controlled by you, biometrically secured on your phone, and then have a platform that allows brands to access this on your own terms. And that's what we're building. So that's the first part. It's just rewarding people for their data. But then now we can actually give brands a tool to incentivize users for that profitable behavior we talked about earlier. So they buy FunCoin and they can issue it to, you know, as long as it's in a regulatory compliant manner, they can give it to people for say, you know, certain information, you know, Hey, I'm going to give you a survey and the information you give me on that survey is inherently valuable. You know, are you going to buy a car this year? Is your car lease almost up? You know, how much money do you make, you know, every year, all these really rich data attributes that get to the heart of who a consumer is, that data is valuable. And brands will actually pay for it. Well, we don't want to use fiat to do that because, again, it's not economically feasible. But blockchain allows us to do it and allows us to do it at scale. And it allows us to do it in more of a kind of machine learning AI ecosystem, which happens just autonomously. So this data collection is just happening and running and everybody's kind of getting something out of it. You know, the people that lose are you know, the people that you kind of want to lose, you know, the, again, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world that you know, they're not, they're not here to help you. They're, they're here to spy on you. I mean, look, you think that it was an accident that Nest had a microphone inside it? No, 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 that was no accident. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just a shame that that's the world we live in. And that's what kind of gets me excited. You know, my, my father used to always say that nothing better than doing well by doing good. And I think that's what we have a chance to do. So the fun coin, um, what's, what is the status of this? Has, has this uh, launched yet? Or w- what, what stage is this at? Great question. So, um, no, it has not launched yet. So we are, it, it is available um, as an investment vehicle for accredited investors via a Reg D. Um, you know, that, that's a, a compliant way to get a security token into the hands of an investor today. We are currently working on the ecosystem. You know, when I mentioned earlier that SDK, the software development kit that can integrate into an existing mobile app, that's what our team is building. Um, should be available for kind of a soft launch. Um, you know, our roadmap that we published uh, before had it in June. Uh, so we're still, you know, on track for that. And so, you know, what we'll do is, I mean, look, we're a 10-year-old software company. This is what we do. You know, we will, you know, deploy it, you know, stress it, break it, build it, you know, redo it. Uh, we have a couple, you know, partners interested in, in working with us on that. And then when it's ready, we'll begin to roll it out. Um, so there's always kind of two components of blockchain. You know, there is the actual business case, which 99% of the market doesn't have one. You know, I always tell people, you know, when you actually go all the way back out to the word crypto, it's really just online gambling. You know, all these exchanges and all these tokens, 99% of people have no idea what they do. They have no idea why they hold them. It's just, you know, online poker. And so that's not the game we're in. You know, we got selected for IBM's inaugural blockchain accelerator for kind of high growth companies because they were looking for companies that had actual business solutions that could actually be deployed to an enterprise. So what we would do is 
give that SDK, give that software platform that we've created, that can be integrated into someone else's application and allow them to take advantage of all the benefits of having a digital asset without having to deal with the headaches of the regulation and building out your own blockchain and doing all these things. Brands don't care about that. All they want to know is, how is this going to drive value to my customers? How is this going to drive value to my company? And so, if you use blockchain for that, great. So think of it as kind of blockchain as a service. Okay. That's the, the future of Funcoin. So getting back to the, like, like the cruise ship example, so let's say I'll, I'll use a name, uh, you know, Carnival Cruises. I don't they have a whole bunch of these uh, uh, ships out there. Uh, so let's say somebody like that, they sign up, uh, you know, for, you know, they, they develop this app, you know, for, um, you know, to, to, for this, this marketing app uh, so they can, you know, do more of these, uh, you know, excursion sales and on, onboard experiences, everything else. Uh, what did you call profitable behavior? What was the profitable behavior? Profitable, profitable behavior. You okay. Got it. So the, so they've, and uh, so now they could actually, um, as part of this app, uh, they could also re- reward the, the consumers with the fun coin. Is that how it'll work? You nailed it. Okay. You nailed it. So let's say I'm sitting there in you know in in uh, down down below deck in in steerage and you know I want to order a pizza. <laughs> uh, I'll get I'll get what I'll get like a, a couple of fun coins. Well, let's use a different example because we know we, we know this. Um, let's say you're in the casino. You know we we you know right now you get maybe free drinks, but you know any casino wants you to stay in the casino. So we could automatically begin compensating people for dwell time. You know, you, you're in a casino and all of a sudden, you know, you're making money because you're taking profitable behavior. If we want to incentivize you to leave an overbooked restaurant, that's very reservations, we can literally encourage you with an actual incentive to do so. Yeah, this thing you mentioned with the casino, that's, that's actually, that's, that sounds like a, that's an interesting application. So let's say, you could license this to casinos where, uh, you know, so they don't have to, uh, you know, give out these. Uh, what do they? What do they give people when they when they gamble certain amount? The, uh, 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 what's that? The, they, you know, basically, you know, points, credits, credits. You know, yeah, they, yeah. So let's say you're at the craps table and you know, you lose a thousand bucks. They give you a, a coupon so you get you know free, <laughs> you know, two free drinks and a, you know. A shrimp cocktail or something. So, but your your system essentially, let's say, you know, you walk into, uh, you know, I'll use an example, you know, Win uh, in Vegas, uh, and uh, let's say they're using your system. Uh, so you're 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 uh, you're sitting at the craps table for uh, you know 45 minutes. Uh, your, the system will know this, and uh, you'll get points, and then it'll tell you, hey, by the way, check out uh, you know the special at uh, whatever. The restaurant here. Exactly. Okay. You hit it. Okay. You 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 understand it better than better than most. That was okay. very well well put. You should hire me to to, to do your sales. I, I'm, I'm casino, going to I'm casino you, sales. Listen, don't, don't don't tip me. I you, <laughs> you you learn a little bit about me. I don't go anywhere without like for, recruiting everybody for, around me. You know for, because I think I think you know one of the problems I think that I've, from what I've read of the casino or not I don't know if it's a problem or it's an opportunity but you know. Uh, in Las Vegas, a lot of their customer now is is the millennials who go for mm-hmm. you know they go to clubs, they go to the pool parties, but they don't really gamble. I mean, they mostly spend money on you know experiences, as they call it. Right. So, and I think they're more of a target audience for you know this type of product. They love blockchain. They love uh, you know mobile. 
So, you know, they're sitting at the pool and I don't know, I'm sure you can come up with some some ideas to move them somewhere else where they'll be profitable How behavior. About this? You know, you're sitting, I don't know if you've been to Vegas lately, but you know, a lot of these, I mean, the, it's amazing the lines that I see, you know, you see these, these millennials, you know, to, to use your term, you know, they go to, you know, these clubs or restaurants or whatever, and, and they just stand in line for hours. And, you know, literally we could identify their dwell time and we could identify them now moving to leave. Like, let's say they got set up and they're like, screw this, I'm leaving. And then we say, nope, hit them with a push notification. Say, hold on. You know, we, we see that you've, we see that you've been waiting a long time. You'll come to the front of the line right now for, you know, $60, you know, we'll let you in right away. Or we could, you know, if you're waiting in line and you actually want to just pay to skip the line, you know, could you create a platform that enables that? You know, the use cases are so, I'll give you an even better one. You have airlines who obviously they have points programs and those are kind of common now. They're kind of almost like an amalgamation of the coupon cutting in the past. Nobody really gets that jazzed about it. I think you know, I have USAA. They have a whole rewards marketplace. It looks like Amazon. I've never bought anything from there. But I know that I get points for buying an airline ticket, buying a hotel or using my credit card. And, and they're happy with that business. And, and that's all well and good. And they're also selling data, by the way. But what if I said that as an airline, a profitable behavior is you just showing up on time. Stop making me wait and not understand the occupancy of my aircraft. How, you know, because everything about aircraft, you know, you know, airplane profitability is kind of, you know, fuel and then turning your plane. And, you know, Southwest made a killing on this, being able to turn planes, you know, on average, you know, what is it, 15, 30 minutes faster than everyone else. And so I could say I could automatically reward people you know, with FunCoin, just for showing up at the, you know, terminal, call it two, you know, an hour and a half before the, you know, the plane scheduled to depart and showing up at the gate, you know, 45 minutes before the plane is going to depart. And now if I know where you are, what else is around you in the, uh, you're going to, you're, you're there, you're 45 minutes before. Now let me sell you some of the amazing products in and around that, that gate, you know, get a bite to eat, get, you know, water for, you know, the flight, you know, get snacks, you know, learn about other things or sell other products not even tied to the airline. You're sitting there waiting. We deal with content. Great. So now we know that you're, you know, waiting. We're going to serve up additional content for you, additional advertising. You know, this, this day and age of going to a single app like Facebook, if you're like me, you've created a next level filter for nonsense. I just scroll past half the stuff that's on there. It's like we, you remember the banner ads? I'm dating myself a little bit now, but you know, these banner ads that used to pop or pop up ads, who clicks on those anymore? (laughs) I mean, I I certainly don't. And so brands are wrestling with how do I get, I still want to sell you something. And you know what the funny thing is? Consumers, consumers still want to buy. They just hate being sold and they hate noise. And so you have to understand when is the right time to communicate with a consumer? And are you giving them a message that they care about? And you only have a couple bites of that apple before they get set up. And then they'll associate some sort of negative thought with your brand. So getting really dialed in to who is your audience, which we do very well, then when and where are you most likely to be receptive to something I want to tell you or something I want to sell you? That's going to change the game forever. It's not tied to an app. It's tied to a consumer and their experience in the real world. And then you start layering and you said it prophetically. In a couple of years, 
that'll start to be augmented reality. That'll be the next platform. But augmented reality, you know, whatever device enables that is still, you know, a mobile experience. And that's why we're going to be a leader in it because we've got more experience in helping brands succeed on mobile than probably anyone else. So, so the, the fun coin right now, uh, you know, in, investors can buy the fun coin and it's, and, and then you're going to start selling it to the, um, uh, you know, I guess, you know, the app, uh, you know, people who have these apps. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, so again, so Brands. take a step back to make sure, you know, everything is, it has to be done in a compliant way. And so right now that's, that's unfortunately, you know, we're, we're limited to accredited investors. And so what you want to do now is work with the SEC to file what's called a Reg A plus, which that's kind of the best way right now to take the next step. And I think over the next couple of years, you know, the SEC will kind of refine regulations and be a little bit more uh, collaborative because again, they're not anti-crypto, anti-blockchain. They're just kind of pro-consumer protection and pro-regulation, which you know we probably need in, you know, in perfect honesty. And so, right now. We want to be. We can sell to credit investors, but of course, to have a consumer-facing application, you want to be able to sell it to you know, anyone. And so, the next step would be that you know, getting a Reg A plus qualified, and working with the SEC to make sure that unaccredited investors can also be involved, and then you know, making sure the ecosystem exists to where they get you know full value from that. So that's exchanges. You know, so unlike a points program where you're locked into that one ecosystem. This is a this is you know like Bitcoin. It's like a money. It's like money. You can go to an exchange and cash it out. It's not like you have to spend it back with the brand. You earned it because you took profitable behavior. If you want to go, you know, use it to you know pay for your rent, go for it. But what we have to do in that case is make sure that the exchanges are compliant. So it's one thing for the companies to be compliant, which is absolutely table stakes now. But you also want to make sure that the ecosystem is compliant. Right now, you know, unfortunately, Binance, Bittrex, those exchanges, they're not compliant. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing. You know, almost all of these things, especially in the U.S., should have a cease and desist. I mean, if we were playing for keeps. And that's why people, you should know that the SEC is not anti-crypto. They're not shutting these things down, even though they're selling unregistered securities. They're right. working to try to come up with a solution. Randall, so until I, I that's just, available to us, go I ahead, just, uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we, I, we have no, to please. keep this. It's been very, very interesting. We have to keep this under 60 minutes. Otherwise, it'll be hard to fit the audio <laughs> on our site. So we have about nine and a half minutes, and I want we covered a lot of a lot of stuff. Usually, these interviews are about 20 minutes, but it's uh, you had some fascinating uh, information. Uh, so in the last nine minutes, I want to ask you. Th- Three important things, or four important things. One is, I'll keep uh, it short. Yeah. So, one is last year for 2018, you generated uh, was it almost 31 million in revenues that you reported? Uh, you know, loss of about uh, eight and a half million. At what point do you expect you know the company to 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 become cash flow positive? You know, so I want to be careful with these things because, you know, there's obviously, you know, some responsibility as kind of a director and officer um, in terms of projections. But, you know, I can tell you, I think we'll be more profitable. We'll be profitable for Uber, Will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't help but throw a jab at Uber. Um, you know, we, we're marching towards that. You know, that. That has kind of always been the goal of the company, um, you know, for this year. You know, we can't speculate on, on when that'll happen. Um, but I think anyone looking at kind of our financials and looking at kind of, 
you know, that crossover. Um, you know, we're pretty excited about the trend uh, that is kind of clearly there. And so anyone looking at that um, can kind of draw their own conclusions. Um, but, you know, very bullish on, you know, on achieving profitability, because that's a, a very important to, to me. It's very important to Alan. Uh, and it's important for us uh, to not just be like everyone else <laughs> where, you know, we kind of, you know, have an actual profitable, you know, efficient operations that we can grow and scale in a sustainable way. Okay. What's, uh, you know, what, what's your vision for Funware over the next uh, two years? I know two years is, 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 you know, a lifetime, you know, in this industry, but, you know, what, what is the company going to look like, you know, assuming, you know, everything, everything, uh, you know, work, works out with, with the fun coin, you know, traction, you know, picks up, uh, you know, as you expect, what, what is this business going to look like? Yeah, the thing, I, the thing I usually say to kind of capture it in one sentence is we're going to reimagine how brands engage consumers by empowering consumers through a decentralized data exchange. So what that really means is, you know, bringing to life all of the things that we've seen in Hollywood, you know, since we were kids, you know, this ability to interact with technology to inform our real world experiences and to be able to use blockchain to seamlessly reward consumers for things they should have been rewarded for from the very beginning, for their data, for actions they take, for things they do that are valuable to brands. They need to be part of that conversation, and we want to give brands the ability to interact directly with consumers and vice versa. There is absolutely no need to continue to throw billions of dollars away on advertising to audiences through Facebook and Google not when you can go directly to the consumer. So I want to absolutely scare Facebook and Google. I want to, I want to, we're, we're coming for them because, you know, that's what this world needs. This needs, we need to re-empower consumers and give brands an alternative and, and really drive loyalty along the way. Give them a better platform to get their consumers excited to be a part of a conversation with a brand and not just keep getting advertised to where they've just grown a little bit desensitized what kind of you know what kind of revenues and, and you know possibly earnings do you do you see over the next uh, you know two years out you know assuming you know you achieve uh, some of your objectives here yeah you know we, we just uh, announced kind of our q1 results and so i hope everybody's able to kind of you know look at those um you know again you know, can't, can't speculate beyond what we've made publicly available. Um, but we're heading up and to the right. We're, we're, you know, going in the right direction. We're doing it in a very responsible manner. Um, part of going public, quite frankly, was to be transparent. Obviously, you know, we didn't go out and raise, you know, a bunch of money and we didn't, you know, enrich a bunch of insiders. You know, we're in this for the long haul. You know, everyone was, you know, locked up going into this. You know, we didn't, you know, make a bunch of bankers rich. You know, this is a very thoughtfully executed company that is doing everything right and is marching forward. Um, and we want investors to be part of that. So, you know, our, our net revenues, you know, increased, you know, almost 7% year over year uh, this quarter. You know, we had, you know, platform subscription and services revenue increased, you know, 20% year over year this quarter. You know, gross margin was eight and a half percentage points higher than the prior year. You know, EBITDA improved, you know, by 50% over the prior year. You know, net loss per share improved, you know, 17 cents per share, you know, or, you know, almost 60% year over year. So 
I mean, what more can you ask for from a young tech company? You know, we're, we're doing everything right. We're working hard to be responsible. We're working hard to be fiscally responsible. And we're building value for shareholders. And, and they have the opportunity now to get in on the ground level. And, you know, we're, we're super appreciative of the volume that we're already seeing being a young public company. So, Randall, we have about four minutes left. So, uh, in your opinion, this is my last question here, what are the top three reasons uh, that, 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 that you would give investors for considering, you know, buying the stock today? That's a good question. Uh, first and foremost, experience. I mean, as a, as a career venture capitalist, um, you got to look to the team first. You know, we, we have, you know, a lot of the core team has been here from the very beginning. We work well together. We have a proven track record of success, uh, and we have a proven track record of success with brands. And so first and foremost, world-class teams, world-class leadership, people who are, you know, a whole bunch of skin in the game and, and, and trying to change the world and doing it in a very thoughtful manner. Second is the opportunity. I mean, like I said before, you know, everybody wants to invest in the next Uber. And then when someone shows them the next Uber, they think, oh, my gosh, that's such a, a big idea. I don't know if they'll be able to achieve it. Well, we're working like hell to create the next great t- you know, tech success story. You know, we're going to reimagine how brands engage with consumers by enabling real-world interactions through a mobile device and decentralizing data. And then lastly, you know, value. You know, unlike Uber and Lyft, you know, profitability and operational efficiency is important to us. You know, we have a real business model that delivers real value, which is something every investor should consider when evaluating an investment. So uh, on that note, uh, Randall, I want to thank you uh, and uh, I look forward to, to hearing more from you in the coming months. Uh, you know what? Thank you. This has been a real treat for me and a pleasure. And thank you for everything you're doing, trying to you know, educate retail investors and institutional investors. So you know, keep doing what you're doing. And you know, I look forward to, to talking to you again soon.